I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. We've got a great show coming up. Bill Belton, uh, former Penn State player, current offensive coordinator for Winslow Township in South Jersey, uh, where Ajani Shakir is a member of that program. He's going to be a, a future Penn State football player himself. Uh, so Belton going to join us to break down this new Penn State commit and also kind of look back at some of the highlights of his uh, performances as a Penn State football player, what it was like to break through as a freshman, some some rare perspective. I'm really excited to get to that in just a bit. Uh, Mark Brennan, uh, Daniel Gallen, my colleagues at Lions 24-7, going to hop on the show with us a little bit later as well. We've had a bunch of roundtable topics up on Lions247.com for this period in between spring practices and preseason camp. We'll address a few of those here. There's also new 24-7 sports rankings for transfer players, and every member of Penn State's transfer class was featured there. So we'll talk about that a bit as well. We'll wrap things up with our five-star mailbag. But let's get into it right now off the top. Uh, by the way, if you missed our last edition, did I Dennis Sutton, fantastic guest, just a few weeks away from his enrollment. Uh, if, if you've not been checking in as consistently of late, I'd suggest going back to that one. It dropped last Wednesday, the five-star player, uh, Penn State signed last winter. We had hoped to get you a second episode last week. I learned the hard way. When you have a sick baby, you're going to get sick yourself. Scrapped an episode for us, but we're back here. And we're back with Bill Belton, who joined us just a moment ago. Let's turn our conversation to somebody who's going to provide a couple different perspectives uh, regarding the Penn State Nittany Lions and, and what they've got cooking. Uh, Bill Belton and his son, Joel, who is making his podcast debut. And it's, it's an honor, first off, Joel, to have you on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Uh, Bill Belton, of course, former Nittany Lions player, at now Winslow Township offensive coordinator. We'll talk a little bit about what you did there as a player, but now as an offensive coordinator, You've got a Penn State commit on that roster. We'll talk about that. we got a lot to discuss, but first off, thanks. I know we both had a little bit of a scramble making this interview work. Yes, yes. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Let's start off with, with the initial reach out for getting here on the podcast, and that is commitment number 12 for this 2023 Penn State recruiting class. Um, it is Johnny Shakir. Um, he joined your program after a few seasons elsewhere. He's going to be spending his senior season at Winslow Township. Um, obviously, you got a firsthand look at, at the final stretch of this recruitment. He was offered a couple of years ago. Why do you think it ultimately reached this conclusion when it did? Um, I, I think for him personally, I think he just wanted to go into his senior year with a, um, you know, uh, an idea of where he, you know, where he's going. And, you know, just clearly just focus, focusing on his senior year and just, you know, being able to lock in with his team and, and be the best teammate and, um, you know, leader he can be for, you know, our program. I know got up there for a campus trip last month in April. Um, ultimately, a, a lot of trips up to campus, some Beaver Stadium experiences for game days. Um, when you kind of spoke with Ajani and, and kind of got a sense for where his head was at, ready to make a decision, um, what do you think Penn State crossed off that list for him? I, I think overall, um, when you see Penn, Penn State as a whole, 
um, you know, it's a wonderful place to be. Um, it's a wonderful campus, beautiful campus. Um, academically, it's a great school to be at. And then, you know, football wise, you know, it, it's a it's a, a big time school on this side of the country. And, um, you know, I think for him, um, he was able to get up in that atmosphere and ultimately, um, you know, see what Penn State had to offer. Um, and, you know, obviously football sold him on a lot. And, you know, understanding that um, that's a big part in his decision, along with academics, he gets the best of both worlds. When James Franklin um, you know, wants a recruit, what does that look like? I mean, you obviously were, were already with the with the program when Franklin arrived on campus. What did you see from Franklin, the recruiter, as this one kind of hit the, the crunch time? Um, he's very good at what he does. Um, I, I don't think it's too many guys like him in the country. Um, I think that's why he's had the success he had um, in his run at Penn State, you know, just because he's able to get, you know, the top talent. Um, to either stay home in Pennsylvania or, you know, he's able to go out to um, New Jersey or um, the DMV area and, and pull guys. Uh, I think ultimately it's a, um, a testament to him and uh, his staff and how they evaluate guys and, you know, develop talent ultimately. Wide receivers coach Taylor Stubblefield has proven to be a really strong commodity for this coaching staff since he came up from Miami a couple of years ago. Um, he's the guy who's going to be overseeing the room. Shakir will be entering next year. Um, how did those two connect, and, and, and what do you think about the effectiveness of, of him and kind of getting receivers to Penn State? Um, if you Honestly, if you just look at the past um, few years um, of this Penn State, you know, receivers um, – you know, that speaks for itself. I know that Coach Stubbs um, has came along um, in the re most recent years, and um, he was able to affect um, a lot of guys during his short time, you know, being there. I think for him, um, you know, getting with Ajani and, and Ajani, seeing how these guys work in practice and, and seeing how detail-oriented these um, receivers are, um, I think that led him to, you know, obviously making his commitment, but it allowed him to be more comfortable with, you know, who's going to be developing him. Um, I think the biggest thing for, you know, um, you know, us as coaches, we want to put, you know, our guys in a situation where they're going to be developed and one um, developed on the field and off the field as well. So um, I, I feel like, um, you know, Coach Stubbs is a, a very, very vital part. Um, of that development on the field and off the field as well. Coach Stubbs will get his shot uh, next year. Right now, you're the you're one of those coaches involved at making sure Ajani has a successful senior season. How do you envision him within your offensive attack? Is it a multi-role kind of thing? And and how excited were you to add him this offseason? Uh, we were definitely excited when we found out he moved in district. Um, it was one of those things where, um, you know, <laughs> you just had a pot of gold fall in your lap. And it's just like, wow, we, we got extremely lucky with this one. It's like hitting the lottery. So, um, you know, anytime you get a kid like that, that moves in the district, um, obviously you're happy. And, um, you know, for me, um, calling the calling the show there, it's one of those things where this guy, he's ultimately going to be one of the best guys I coached um, during my time there. Um if not the best, uh, to be honest with you, I, I think he's very elite um, and, you know, he's good at what he does. So I think for, for me, he's going to have to be a touch guy. He's going to have to be somebody we get, you know, touches and, um, you know, whether it's, you know, first down, second down, third down um, on the drive, he's going to have to touch the ball. So I think for, for me, it's just finding ways to, you know, get him in space and, and allow him to be him. 
And what have you learned about him as a person? We, we, we've seen the highlights. Uh, you know, we know about this, the, some of the speed numbers. Uh, how about just spending kind of the day to day with him since, since he made that move, and, and what Penn State will be adding to the to the locker room? Um, I was fortunate enough to um, you know take a trip with you, Johnny, up to Penn State, um, and during my short time with him, um, Johnny's a is a is a is a quiet is a quiet young man who likes to work. He's very very competitive um, in anything he does. Um, I think um, ultimately um, he strives to be the best person he could be. Um, you know, uh, on a day to day basis, academically. And, um, you know, competing as well, I, I think, um, you know, as well, as good as he is in football, he's a hell of a competitor on the track as well. Um, so ultimately, you know, anytime you get a you get a kid like that, it's, you know, the type of kid that you want to add to your program. Uh, before we shift over t- uh, toward your past at Penn State, let's look toward the future a little bit. Kenneth Everett, a- another member of that Winslow Township program in New Jersey, uh, picking up a Penn State offer recently. He's a name to know in 2024 cycle. Um, what kind of a role will he have for you guys? We've got him listed as an athlete on 24-7 sports. And what do you think he's doing to warrant early consideration as a Power 5 prospect? Yeah, I think, um, you know, he's another guy um, who could play anywhere on the field. I think um, he can line up at receiver. Um, He can play anywhere in the secondary. Um, And, you know, in any system, I've seen him line up at running back, too. So I think he has a skill set where he can be used anywhere. I think for him, he's just another another huge weapon um, at our disposal. Along with, uh, um, you know, another young guy as well, um, by the name of Cam Miller, we have, um, you know, a lot of weapons here. So uh, I'm excited to work with, um, you know, uh, Kenneth Everett. You've had a lot of success uh, so far as as a coach with the Winslow Township staff. Uh, you've had some company as well, uh, Christian Hackenberg, uh, helping mm-hmm. out with that, with that group. Um, what's that been like to kind of reunite and see a former teammate in that coaching role? And, and you know, you're, you're both – getting towards your thirties, I, uh, no pressure or anything, but you're in a trend, you're in kind of a transition moment of, in, in your lives and the football careers. How has it been kind of sharing that? Um, it's been great. I, I, I tell the guys all the time, um, him coming on board made my job a lot easier. Um, just from a, a, a mental place, um, you have somebody that, you know, played the game at a high level, um, and played that position at a high level. So anytime you're able to get somebody like that in the building and to coach young guys, um, what happens is a lot of these young guys gravitate to that experience and knowledge. Um, I think um, in his first year alone, he came in and transformed our quarterback room. Um, and, you know, our, our, our quarterback went from being a, a middle of the pack, you know, QB to, you know, being one of the best guys in the state um, in a matter of two years. And, um, you know, anytime you can have that experience is great. I think, um, to be honest with you, I think Hack is um, obviously overqualified for you know what he's doing for us. But um, he's a he's a great he's a great coach. I think he has a, a lot of experiences to to share with these young guys, and um, you know everything he been that he's been through in his career. Um, he's able to pull from that and pour into these young guys, and you know they're eating it up and you know running with it. 
I know every win at Winslow Township is a little extra special for you because you wore that uniform and it's just different when you've done that and you're back as a coach. And um, just want to put it out there, the first player in New Jersey high school history to have two consecutive seasons of 2000 plus passing yards and 1000 plus rushing yards as a New Jersey guy myself. Big time name on the scene in the last couple of decades was Bill Belton. And, and of course, you made your way to Penn State in 2011. And you were one of four freshmen that year that, that got into game action. And of course, college football has changed in the last 11 years. Now you can play four games without burning that red shirt. It wasn't the case for you. But looking at that transition from high school to college, there's a couple of running backs we're focusing on right now on the roster that are freshmen. How do you put yourself in a position to command the coaches put you out there on the field? Um, one being yourself and just working. Um, the biggest thing you gotta do is just come in with your head down and just and just grind. You know, you gotta be seen and not heard. And you know, if you, if young guys are able to do that, then you know they have a a very good chance of you know getting on the field. Obviously, um, you know, being elite is is definitely you know it plays a part in that as well. So, um, I you know the the, the biggest thing is just you know coming in working and not saying too much. You were a part of that Super Six, which people still talk about here and how important it was mm -hmm. to kind of the fabric of keeping things together uh, with the program's transitions through a few different coaching staffs. And um, looking back now, I mean, a decade later, uh, how appreciative are you for that group of guys and how connected are you at this point? Um, we're very connected. Um, <laughs> this past year, we all went to Jamaica as a, you know, as a as a group um, with our, you know, significant others and stuff like that. And um you know, we're always attending one another's uh, baby showers, exchanging, you know, stuff about fatherhood, just talking about, you know, random stuff that we need to talk about to, um, you know, keep ourselves, you know, moving in a positive direction. So um, we talk, you know, pretty much every day, um, if not every day, every other day. Um, and, you know, I'm extremely thankful for those guys, to be honest with you. Um, um, those people uh, made me who I am today. Um, they play a, a vital part in, um, you know, what I do. Um, I, I go to a lot of those guys for advice and, you know, they do the same um, with myself as well. So it's, it's, it's bigger than just a, a name. It's more of a brotherhood for us. One of those, uh, Dion Barnes, uh, kind of similar path where he ends up back at his alma mater, Northeast High School in Philadelphia as defensive coordinator. Now he's been with the Penn State defensive staff for a bit as an assistant working with the defensive line. Uh, how has it been to see Dion return to campus and, and find some success? And you're both obviously trying to climb this coaching ladder. Mm -hmm. I think um, Dion is very, very passionate about what he does. Um, he was able to learn from you know, a, a list of great coaches and one of them being uh, Larry Johnson. Um, I think, you know, with a lot of his teachings um, that he's learned and he was able to play for a guy like that, um, he's able to add a lot of those things that he learned to his tool belt and, um, you know, build up his brand and build up, you know, how he wanted to go about things as a coach. I think, you know, ultimately he'll be in that same, you know, stratosphere with them, you know, at some point in his career. I see it for him now, um, you know, some other people may think he has a ways to go, but if you ask me, I think, you know, Deion's one of the most talented young coaches in the, in the game right now. Now, I, I know there's probably a lot of plays that stand out to you from your Penn State career that you're proud of, uh, but you put an end to just an epic matchup, the four-overtime thriller against Michigan, and that's a, another thing that no matter how many years pass, people call attention to that game. Um, mm. To score the walk-off in Beaver Stadium, I mean, is that just something that, that's in your heart forever? 
Definitely. I, I think at the time when it happened, it was like, all right, this is a great moment. You know, we're on to the next week and getting ready to play. And you don't know how things age until you give it time. And, um, you know, I, I see that game come on, um, you know, the classic network, uh, Big Ten network or, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm just like, man, this was a, a great moment in Penn State history. And, and it, look, you were there for just a remarkable uh, and notable era of Penn State football, considering what happened at the end of the paternal era, O'Brien comes in, and then you saw the very start, and you were part of the very start of the Franklin era. The fact that there was so much change in a short period, and yet here we are, almost a decade later, James Franklin's still in place. Now he has a long-term contract that takes him to the end of this decade. Has it been surprising to you in any ways just how much staying power James Franklin has proven to have at Penn State? And how do you think the university and the program has benefited from that? Um, I don't I don't think it's a surprise at all. Um, I think when he came in, you can kind of see um, the direction of the you know program shift and, you know, where he wanted to take it. Um, I think um, there's no surprise to me at all. And I think. Um, you know, I think the program benefited from, you know, having stability. Um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, it helps with recruiting. Um, when guys know who the coaches are going to be, um, it's definitely going to help. And, you know, Franklin's a, a, a guy that, you know, is able to connect with a lot of people. Um, he's a well-liked guy, I would say. And, um, you know, if you get a chance to know him, you know, you'll love him. So, um I think it's great for the university, great for the program. And, you know, the longer he stays, you know, Penn State is only going to keep going in the right direction. I want to leave with with a, a personal note uh, and a personal question, I guess, for you. You're at the point now where you're, you're a new father. You're trying mm -hmm. to win a state championship at Winslow Township, but you've got a lot ahead of you. What is kind of your ambition in this sport? Uh, you know, you're several years removed away from wearing the uniform. You've shifted gears. What is kind of your lane now in, in football? Um, you know, just touching as many young guys as I can, um, you know, whether that be, you know, wherever I am, I just want to impact a bunch of lives and get them to the point where they can experience, um, you know, the same things that I have, you know, and if I haven't experienced it, I want to get them to a point where, you know, they can experience, um, you know, something that I haven't, um, I feel like that I, um, I have a lot of experience um, and knowledge when it comes to um, certain situations. And, you know, I want to help guide, you know, those young guys in the right direction so they can, you know, make their dreams come true. Bill Belton, uh, former Penn State football player, now offensive coordinator, Winslow Township in New Jersey. Um, really appreciate it, Bill. And thanks to uh, Joel. It looks like he was uh, able to, to move on with his <laughs> evening, but we appreciate yeah. him for hopping on for his debut on the podcast as well. All right. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Big thanks again to Belton for, for having that conversation with us. Hope to get him on the podcast again at some point. But let's bring in some familiar faces, some familiar names uh, for our readers and listeners. Mark Brennan, Daniel Gallen, uh, my colleagues at Lines247.com. Uh, Folks, we are somewhere in between preseason camp uh, and spring ball. It's kind of that weird part where we're seeing the roster grow, but we're not actually getting eyeballs on the team. That's going to change a little bit. I'll note this Wednesday, we're back over at team facilities. We'll get a chance to talk to, it looks like the entire collection of second year guys. So the freshmen from, from the 2021 class, I'm excited for that, but in the spirit of kind of being in the heart of the offseason, Mark, uh, you have always kind of directed this roundtable run for us uh, year after year after year. We did it again, and we're going to hit on a few of those topics today. Yeah, it's a fun thing to do, kind of, as you mentioned, Tyler, coming out of spring practice and then into the preseason, this is a real key time. You know, we got a pretty good look at the team in the spring, see where everybody kind of stands. So what are the questions that remain? Uh, heading heading into preseason practice. So we're going to tackle a few of them here today. And uh, we have a bunch of them, and, and things are getting a little bit interesting with some of the latest ones. Uh, so people have fun with it. As always, you don't have to agree with our opinion, but if you disagree, let us know why. Send us something to the mailbag or go on the board and post. There's threads for all these different roundtables. Again, just don't take exception and say, no, 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 That's you guys are wrong. Tell us why we're wrong and explain who, how you would have answered as well. Yeah, we like to point out when we're right with these things, but you go over the last few years, uh, there are some uh, pr predictions that did not exactly come to fruition for, from everybody at the site. But, Mark, let's start with, with, with the first topic you throw away. And actually, Daniel's going to start it out because the way you had this set up was we only get one pick. You know, you, you can't kind of just everybody pick the same thing. Daniel had first pick for all these. I had the second pick. Mark had the third. And the first question here was pretty simple one. What is the top question for Penn State coming out of spring ball? Daniel, you did go fairly broad on this one. Yeah, I, I kept it a little, probably a little too big picture on this one, but I felt like coming out of spring and going into the summer, there's still just a lot of, I guess, kind of big picture things unanswered, especially when you look at how last year ended. Uh, the offense down the stretch of last season really struggled. There's a lot of the same characters are back. There's some, uh, some notable departures like Jahan Dotson and, it's just kind of what will this actually look like? What will this, how will this look different? How will this be different? Um, that's something that really kind of stuck in my head and kind of reflecting on the spring. And then on the other side of the ball, there's a new defensive coordinator in Manny Diaz. Uh, we saw how Brent Pry ran things for the past eight years. Um, and we got pretty familiar with it too. So I'm very curious as to what kind of the, what stamp will Manny Diaz uh, put on this unit whether it's maybe some personnel things, maybe it's some scheme things. And I think that was something that kind of was really just bouncing around my head after we got out of the blue-white game and kind of those, those two weeks or so between then and, and when we were answering these questions. I stuck with the same question that a lot of us in the media scrum would ask each other when we were standing outside of the gate waiting to get into practice, and that would be how many offensive linemen are we going to see today? What's the offensive line unit going to look like today? Are they going to have it too deep? Are they going to have six, seven guys? And obviously that was something that the 
public at large got to kind of take into account when we got in the Beaver Stadium for the for the blue white game and, and preemptively James Franklin had addressed that it would be a different format because the numbers were what the numbers were and then some availability issues cost them now we've talked about it a few of these guys it sounds like benefited greatly from getting loaded up with reps uh, this year uh, with Phil Troutwine in year three uh, Caden Wallace and, and Olu Fashano at the tackle positions Juice Scruggs at center now um, you know we're still taking a, a look at what the depth can be we know that Landon Tengwall, you know, entering spring was in a good spot of left guard, wasn't always available in the spring. I still like his chances there. JB Nelson worked there. Uh, on the right side, you know, Hunter Norzad, new guy in town, uh, you know, pretty impressive stuff at, at Cornell. Can he make a, another step for himself at the Big Ten Power Five conference level? It's a question mark. Uh, and you've got a guy like uh, who's come along in Nick Dawkins now, I think, you know, center guard. There's some versatility there. Um, and of course, Sal Wormley, though he was limited during the spring, uh, might he be ready to roll 100% in August and probably going to need to be able to do that to put himself in a position to be your starter come September. Um, so for me, it, it, it's not just about finding those five. It's about maybe finding eight, nine, ten guys because injuries will happen. Based on what we saw last year, performance issues could be a problem across the offensive line at different spots. We don't know. You'd like to think that every spot's going to take a step forward, or uh, but it, it's hard to give the benefit of the doubt right now to that offensive line group at large. There's some new faces in there. Um, perhaps there's some new energy in there. Um, but I, my, that's probably my biggest curiosity, fellas, is, is what can they get together from an offensive line standpoint? It's not just about that starting five. It's about being able to go eight, nine, maybe 10 deep, maybe that's too bold right now, but you got to get yourself in that situation where when you get into the big 10 grind, if a guy's not getting it done, you need to have somebody who can come in and get that job done. And, and if you're playing someone who's not really ready for the big 10, uh, that's because there's no one for you to plug in in place of them. And, and that's a depth concern. Yeah, and I'm going with depth at linebacker. I mean, I think all you had to do was look at the blue-white game. You know, give a guy like Dominic DeLuca, you know, walk on. All the credit in the world played really well, and it's nice to see those guys have an opportunity to shine. But when you look at three guys going to the NFL, two guys drafted, one is a one is a, a undrafted free agent, and then you look at what's kind of left behind, I think they're going to be okay at starter, you know, at the starting positions. I mean, Kobe King and Elsden – uh, between the two of them, you know, I think one of them is, or, or maybe even both will play at that Mike spot. Uh, obviously, Curtis Jacobs moving over to the will, you know, he's a proven commodity, and I think he'll actually be an upgrade there. Uh, and Jonathan, Jonathan Sutherland's been around forever, you know, converted safety, playing at the Sam position. But then, you know, where is the depth? I mean, Budden had to play at both uh, outside linebacker positions. Uh, Charlie Catcher, how much can you depend on him you know, the guy's been the ultimate team player, but he's been banged up throughout his career. He was last seen with his left arm in a sling at the blue-white game. So, you know, those are some key positions. They could offset that a little bit by playing more nickel and more dime. Uh, you know, they have that much depth in the secondary, but they absolutely need more depth. And I think that's where guys like Abdul Carter and Wiley coming in for the second summer semester are going to have a real uh, chance to make an impact. They're going to be given every opportunity in preseason camp. Manny Diaz told us that uh, to, 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 to compete for, for jobs. So, yeah, I think linebacker depth, those are some key positions. And, again, they're going to be okay with the starters, but you worry about getting bumped up, you know, that sort of thing. So they really have to shore that up in the preseason. 
Mark, you did a nice job addressing some potential solutions. I probably didn't do a good enough job of that in my answer. Just some names to know and be aware of. Bryce Effner, where is he going into August? He, he wasn't uh, he wasn't in uniform. He wasn't a practice participant this spring. Um, so something to keep an eye on there. He was kind of that sixth offensive lineman last year in a lot of ways. Is a guy that they've used in the interior, on the perimeter. Jimmy Chris, the year three tackle. Very curious to see where he is in his progression. Uh, and then I should mention Vega Ione, uh, the, the big uh, signing day addition, big literally and figurative out of the Pacific Northwest. Really curious to see where the staff sees him when he gets to campus this summer, and maybe he could factor in in some way, shape, or form on the interior. Um, moving forward on a more positive note, I suppose, which key question was answered during spring ball? Again, this was first posed to Daniel. Yeah, I kind of looked at this group of early enrollees who got here in January and who put themselves in position to have the opportunity to contribute pretty early. In last year's freshman class, the only uh, freshmen who had their red shirts burned were Jalen Reed and Kalen King. Um, and it looks like the way that things have gone with this group of early enrollees, there could definitely be more than two um, this year. I think the names that stood out to me, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Caden Saunders. I think that when you look at the positions that those guys play, the need that was there and kind of the talent and pedigree that they came in with, it's no surprise that they put themselves in, in a position to contribute and to be guys to know when we get into August. But I think the big surprise was, was Zane Durant, uh, the defensive tackle from Florida, uh, who I think is probably the, the surprise of the spring. I think he was the early enrollee we heard the most about, um, which is pretty impressive when you have two five stars uh, who are on campus. So I think that Durant, he plays a position where you're still not quite sure how much development there is to get onto the field and to potentially be in the rotation. But he was someone that you can kind of mark down as, okay, when we get into, into fall camp, we need to keep an eye on where number 28 is on the defensive line, uh, what he might be able to do, where he can kind of fit in uh, and Penn state can use his skill set to get him onto the field. So I think that coming into the spring, I really wanted to see which of these early enrollees, uh, we're going to have the chance to contribute early. Who was you know, putting themselves in that spot? And I think we got an answer with three, maybe four, um, depending on how things go. Obviously, none of those guys played a game last season, and I focused on a few guys who didn't play at all for Penn State in 2021 as well. Three linemen, Adiza Isaac, Salim Wormley, Hakeem Beeman, varied reasons for their absence on the field, but none of them played in a game last fall. And right now it certainly looks like, I think we gained some clarity guys, uh, you know, with Adiza Isaac and Salim Wormley uh, repping with the first team lineups when they were active, um, you know, during that blue white game, it was restricted to thud for them. We had kind of heard that, you know, if you want to call it a, a pitch count or a restriction, these guys weren't full participants over the course of spring practice, but they participated maybe more than I think a lot of fans and us in the media would have kind of viewed even optimistic going into spring ball so I thought that was good and then Akeem Beeman you know that's one that that, that lacks clarity it's it's you know the, the Diza Isaac and Wormley situations were you know devastating injuries that come out of nowhere last year Beeman's at every practice that we're attending during the season but he's with the scout team this is a guy we thought could be a starter last year you don't really get answers his weight fluctuates a little bit we still really don't know what the situation is and Franklin continues when he mentions Akeem Beeman or when he's asked about Akeem Beeman saying that he continues to need need to go keep maintain momentum is, is kind of the way he says it 
But with Akeem Beeman, we, we saw this team in action, rotating guys in, 11-man defense. He was heavily involved in that two-deep group for the defensive line. That didn't happen last year. You know, he, he was relegated to scout team duties, and we got a long way to go. But as long as that resumes in August, I think we've got a very clear answer that all three of these linemen who were big misses last year are going to be factors come 2022. Yeah, and I, you know, I went with the quarterback situation and the old uh, hindsight being 2020. I think if you look, well, hindsight being 2021, if you look back to 2021 and where uh, where Penn State was coming out of spring practice, yeah, I know, that was pretty bad. I'm sorry. But where, if you look at the quarterback situation, I don't think any of us realized what a precarious position they were in. I, I know I didn't. Uh, but then the season gets here and you realize first you're under a coordinator – you know, Sean Clifford takes time to adjust, and then they're forced to use Taquan Roberson against Iowa. And, and God bless him, great kid, just wasn't ready for it. And it was just the, the ultimate bad scenario for the team that day, and they never recovered from it throughout the season. So I think if you fast forward to 2022, coming out of spring practice, a couple of things are huge. You know, number one, Clifford and Veyu both had a full year in Yurcich's program. Uh, Clifford, is he ever going to be an All-American? I don't know. But I think the fact that he's been able to be under the same coordinator two years in a row for the first time since, what was it, Ricky Ronnie way back when, I think that's going to be helpful for him. And I think having Veyu, who came in against Rutgers last year, played really well. You know, and they just didn't they just didn't strip everything down for him. He came in and did some really good things. Now, would he have been ready to do that against Iowa? I don't know. We could go back and second guess the decisions that were made in that game all you want. But he's a guy who's proven he can go out and win a Big Ten game for you. And then you bring in two quarterbacks, Al Arnprabula, uh, who have the benefit of enrolling early and going through spring, and not only going through spring, but going through spring, learning from Yursich, learning from Clifford and then also learning from Veyu. So I think if you put all of those things together, uh, they're in just such a better place. Again, uh, Sean Clifford still has to prove some things. He has to go out and prove he can stay healthy and can win consistently because he hasn't done that for a couple of years. But I think he's better positioned to do that. And I think overall, if he gets banged up, they're going to be in a better – you know, knock on what he doesn't, but they're going to be in a better position to succeed if they have to go in a different direction. You can talk yourself in circles wondering what Sean Clifford is going to look like, but there's no doubt about it that that chart as a whole far healthier than, than it's been in a while for Penn State at quarterback, and that is supremely important. Um, last one here that we're going to address. We have a bunch of these roundtables up on the site. We'll, we'll, we'll address them in future shows. They're going to stay evergreen for us a bit uh, going through the summer, but let's let's end it here. Which players made the biggest strides during spring ball? Daniel, you're up. Yeah, so since I had first pick, I think I got uh, one of the most talked about non-early enrollee freshmen here with uh, safety Zaki Wheatley. The redshirt freshman made the transition from cornerback and by all accounts had a great spring. Um, I think he had the most interceptions uh, of anyone in the secondary. He got the ball hawk label. Uh, both Jair Brown and Terry Smith were very complimentary of what he was able to do. And I think it changes. he helps change the complexion of that safety room a little bit. Um, where going into the spring, a lot of the talk was, okay, Keaton Ellis or Jalen Reed uh, next to Jair Brown to replace Jaquan Brisker. And after that, it was kind of a, you know, some question marks. Maybe when these freshmen arrive later this year, they'll be able to get into the two deep, maybe work into the rotation. But I think Wheatley came in and, and made a really big impact. 
he looked the part uh, during the blue white game. He's six two, one ninety one. Uh, he played physic. He played physical uh, in the blue white game, which was kind of nice to see in that contained environment. And I think that he's someone where we didn't see him at all last year, except for special teams here and there as he redshirted. And now we know that he's someone who can be uh, maybe a bit more of a contributor to be on that too deep. And it's kind of exciting to see what someone with those kinds of ball skills can do when he gets onto the field. I went with a guy that you just mentioned, and it's not Alliance 24-7 podcast if, if Zane Durant isn't mentioned these days. Uh, because, look, we, we heard day one of spring ball from James Franklin that he was trending toward, quote, an unusual role. And hearing something like that from Franklin about a guy who's been on campus for a couple months is unusual in its own right. And by the end of this thing, I mean, he's clearly solidly in a position to be a part of this two deep plan for Penn state on the defensive interior. Now, maybe there's five guys in that conversation right now. And I think, you know, you don't want to brush off someone like Jordan Vandenberg, who's come a long way himself and Kaziah Izzard and, and, and Devon Ellis who, who made strides last year. And of course, PJ Mustafer coming back into the fold, but Akeem Beeman, or, I'm sorry, Akeem Beeman also, uh, you think maybe back in the fold, but Zane Durant is not going to be elbowed out of the situation after what he did in the spring. And I think the fact that just every step of the way, I said, you hear it during the winter conditioning, that's awesome. These guys off to a good start. You hear it at the start of spring ball, that's great too. Is the wall coming? It didn't come apparently. And by the time we saw him in Beaver Stadium, Zane Durant was not just engaged on the field as, as a player making play. He was engaged with Beaver Stadium. I mean, he was feeling the atmosphere. Uh, he was a guy, he made a big play. He, he went and picked up a helmet and just kind of was holding on to it and holding it up feel like they got someone special here. We heard from Andrew Ivins, who covered him as a recruit last week and, and really praised the player that Penn State added. There's going to be a lot of schools down south that wonder how they let this guy get out of the area. Yeah, and I went with uh, receiver Malik Mega, guy who was uh, bumped up for a lot of last year. We didn't see an awful lot of him, but when we did see him, he really flashed in that Rutgers game, taking that long uh, – uh, catch and run for a TD from Veyu. You know, this is a guy, uh, you know, Tyler, I know you covered him for, for quite a while, uh, but from Canada, so, and uh, French speaking. So when he got to Penn State, he had to make the transition to American football and to, to communicating all the time in English, which led to last year, that great press conference on Zoom, where he was fielding questions in French, which was really cool. It's the first time I ever, you know, really was part of something like that. But from a football perspective, whether it was players, whether it was coaches, everybody is talking about this guy is someone who is on the verge of just erupting as a player. He's 6'4". They list him at 203. He looks like he's he's heavier than that, and not in a bad way. He's really put together, has speed, has really good hands. It's all coming down to learning those intricacies of the game. So he's come so far in terms of uh, learning the American game, communicating. Uh, he was great in an interview with us speaking English. He speaks way better English than any of us. Well, I, don't, I can't speak for you guys, but I can't speak other languages. So just a super impressive, super intelligent kid. think he's just scratching the surface and looking for big things for him this year. He and Harrison Wallace are two like athletic 
you know, really impressive athletic guys. Uh, you know, if it can happen for them yeah. at receiver this year, that's a boost. Mitch Tin Mitchell Tinsley obviously working his way in. I think we have a better handle on what he is as a receiver right now. Um, last thing to get to here on this episode is the new 24-7 sports rankings uh, for the transfer portal. And obviously those are uh, right up there with recruiting, if not surpassing it in terms of trying to win now in college football. Uh, these rank rankings were led by quarterbacks Caleb Williams, who goes from Oklahoma to USC, Quinn Ewers, who goes from Ohio State to Texas, and wide receiver Jordan Addison going from Pitt to USC. Uh, all three of Penn State's pickups are featured there. Uh, Damian Robinson, a four-star, Mitchell Tinsley, and Hunter Norzad, high three-stars. Uh, Daniel, you wrote up a, a quick piece on this just before we recorded the podcast uh, about where these guys ended up. Yeah, I think that you know when you look at kind of what James Franklin has talked about in terms of bringing guys in from the transfer portal, uh, there's a lot of talk about kind of quality over quantity, and I think that shows through in these rankings. Uh, Robinson at number 31, Mitchell Tinsley at number 105, and highlighted as a notable mover, and then Hunter Norzad at at number 153. All three of these guys are going to have the chance to to compete and contribute. Uh, you know, Tinsley just this year, Robinson and Norzad maybe a little bit more in the future. Uh, with their eligibility status. So I think that it's, even though it's only three guys, and I think some fans would have liked to see some more additions, I think that when you look at how things shake out, uh, Penn State is in really good shape with this uh, transfer class. Yeah, it was really that... good to get, Tyler, it was really good to get Tinsley in for the uh, for there the spring go. semester and then uh, Norzad in for the, the, the first summer semester. You kind of wish they could have gotten Robinson in a little bit earlier, but he looks like a guy who's who, who's ready to do what he needs to do when he gets here. Uh, in the summer, but getting Tinsley in with that receiver group, given who they lost and what number he's wearing now, uh, that old number five, I think that was, uh, I think that was a big thing for them. And Norzad, you know, you talked about the offensive line depth, just to have another good player that you could plug in there at one of those interior spots and compete for playing time is important. You said it was good to see Mitch Tinsley get to campus. I was going to say it was good to see Mitchell Tinsley uh, end up rising on these rankings. I felt he was it was a little too low earlier. I think he's up by 100 spots or something like that. Just the feedback that we got from his first semester on campus, and that's really a big part of these rankings. They wanted to give these guys a chance to be here for a semester across the country, and our 24-7 Sports Network does its thing, gathers intel. And I think really clearly Mitchell Tinsley has, has checked a lot of boxes since he showed up here. Uh, and I mentioned this before, uh, one of those roommates with Sean Clifford, wondering how much those two can get on the same page between now and September 1st when this team gets on the road uh, to Purdue because Jahan Dotson and Pat Fryermuth before him, they were security for Sean Clifford, and those guys are now making a lot of money in the NFL. So, guys, I really appreciate it. We have like six, seven, eight more roundtables that we can eventually get to over the course of the next couple of months. Uh, people can read them ahead of then uh, on the site. But, Daniel, Mark, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you real soon. And looking forward to talking to some of these younger members of the roster uh, on Wednesday with you guys. Sure thing. All right. Good stuff from those two. You can read all their content and more at lines247.com. We have a ton of recruiting stuff going on. A couple new offers out in Columbus, Ohio, that are quickly going to bring a couple of prospects to campus. Uh, prospects that are really just on the start of their Power 5 rise. Wrote about those on the site. Uh, Brian Doan has a story on an edge rusher who got to campus this past week. He had a story up on a top cornerback prospect from Philadelphia who was at, at, on campus this past weekend. So all that and more in the recruiting realm on lines247.com. Um, we'll be back with another episode later this week. As I mentioned, going to get a chance to talk to second-year players for Penn State tomorrow, a bunch of them. So I'm sure there'll be a plenty of takeaways to discuss here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. For producer Lance Glenn, I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.